The following program is paid for by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 1071, AZBK 0910184. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Absolute Mortgage. Visit absoluteloans.com or call 888-90-HOMES for cost information. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage. Now in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome to The Money Hour at 1150 AM, KKNW, the Saturday, April 9th show. I am your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. I'm committed to providing you knowledge needed to be successful in every area regarding your financing. Knowledge is power, and that's what you'll receive from listening to my show. If you're hearing the show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but I'm here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that I have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 1150 or online at the moneyhour.com. And my lineup for the show today, Holly Fern with Remax Junction. We're going to be talking about preparing your home to sell. Also in studio, I have Greg Prill with Cold War Banker Bain. Today's real estate market advice for buyers and sellers. And last guest in studio, first time visiting me here in studio is Jennifer Black with Karen Transitions Seattle, expanding services, senior re- relocating, downsizing, estate sales, uh, anything to prepare for that move. Great information and great guest in studio. For more information on any topics discussed, please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And let's start out the show today, as always, with a little money chat. Money. Money. I'm going to stick in my arena today in mortgages. We're going to talk about PMI or private mortgage insurance removal. Now, I mentioned on an earlier show about the president signed legislation that uh, renews the tax deduction of mortgage insurance premium. PMI premiums for qualified homeowners through 2016. The deduction is available for homeowners with adjusted gross income below $100,000 at 100% of their premiums. For homeowners with adjusted gross income from $100,001 to $110,000, deductions are phased out at 10% increments for each additional thousand and adjustment gross household income. Now, I talked last week about some of your tax tips and things that are commonly that people must uh, forget. This could be one of them because it's just been brought back in. So make sure you take a look and see if you have. PMI and how that's going to, how you can uh, deduct that for uh, this year. Now, today I wanted to talk about the removal process for mortgage insurance, MI or private mortgage insurance, PMI. It depends on the loan and um, how and if you remove the mortgage insurance, when and how if you can. Mortgage insurance premiums, MIP, is uh, FHA financing is required for the life of the loan. So as long as you're on that FHA loan, uh, HUD financing, you can no longer remove the mortgage insurance. The only way out is to refinance into a conventional loan. Now, private mortgage insurance, PMI, is conventional financing and can be removed. So what I want to do is list through the ways to do that. Now, the Homeowners Protection Act law governs when the mortgage lender can can and must remove private mortgage insurance from all home loans. Now, the first one is lender mortgage insurance 
also known as the private mortgage insurance, PMI, is an insurance payable to the lender or trustee or pool securities that may be required not able to repay the loan to the lender and is not able to recover its cost after foreclosure and the sale of uh, a mortgaged property. So that's what the purpose is of PMI. Now, mortgage insurance is required to hold on or to have unless you're coming in with a 20% or a larger down payment. So here are the ways that the mortgage insurance is removed. Automatic PMI termination. Once your loan to value is based on the original price that you paid for the home and you've reached 78%, the PMI will automatically terminate if your payments are up to date. Now, the second is the request for PMI removal. So you can request removal of PMI when the loan balance reaches reaches 80% of the original home's value and the time that you sec- at the time that you secured the loan. Now, a PMI disclosure is part of the disclosure package that lists the date when you hit that 80% mark. Extra principal payments during this time can shorten the time to reach that 80%. Now, to have the PMI removed, you must be current on your mortgage payments and request the PMI removal in writing. The lender may require that you prove that there's no second mortgage against the, the home. Also, they may have you pay for an appraisal to assure the value has not actually decreased in the home. Now, this is an extra 2% in loan to value from the 80% to 78%. So for when that automatically terminates on its own, it's extra money out of your pocket. So mark on your calendar when you're going to reach that 80% from the original price that you paid for the property. So if you were to look at a $100,000 loan with an estimated 0.78% calculation for the cost of mortgage insurance, this would be an additional $65 a month that you would pay from the time that you reach 80% loan to value until it automatically drops at that 78% loan to value. So based on today's interest rates, that might be hitting that 80% would be targeted maybe around a year, costing you over $700 if you miss that opportunity to gain in that 2% range again before it automatically terminates. Now, alternative termination criteria. The Homeowners Protection Act dictates that the PMI can stay no longer from on the loan from half of the loan balance time. So even if the loan to value is greater than 78%, when half that term is passed, the lender must remove the mortgage insurance. This final termination of PMI might occur uh, with mortgages that include or or like interest-only loans, so you're not actually paying towards principal, so you would never reach that. So it would automatically drop off again when you're halfway through that term. Now, the request early removal of PMI, you can request early removal of your PMI when the loan balance reaches is 80% from the home's current market value. So not from the original price, but when it reaches its current market, uh, the current market value. In addition, you must have a minimum of 36 months. Some lenders, they might look at 24 months. So you're going to have two to three years before you can go in for that early removal, regardless of how much appreciation that you've seen in the property. Again, you're going to have to do this in writing. Uh, the lender is going to probably have you require show that you don't have a second mortgage on the loan. And then also you're going to have to pay for an appraisal on this one as well to ensure that you have that value that you think it was at to reach that 20% equity position. Now, even if you don't, I talked in the beginning of the segment about uh, removing, not having to pay mortgage insurance if you come in with a 20% down. There are alternatives to avoid paying it monthly, which I've brought into Money Chat before, and that's by doing a single premium or a buyout mortgage insurance. So you are still insured, but you're just paying a fee upfront to remove that mortgage insurance. Usually you're going to be able to recover that in less than a three-year period. So it might be a better option for you than monthly mortgage insurance unless you plan on keeping it for a 
a very short period of time. And the other way is a lender paid mortgage insurance. So you still have mortgage insurance, but you're not paying it up front. You're not paying it monthly, but you're paying a premium in the interest rate. I'm not as favorable on the lender paid mortgage insurance because I don't like that higher interest rate for the life of the loan. But what's most important is you know that you've got options and run the numbers, take a look at them, and you'll see what makes most sense for you financially. And that's our money chat coming up next on the If you're a buyer, you need to know the seller's strategy so you know you know how to go in and negotiate on that property. Holly Fern with Remax Junction right here at 1150 AM at KKNW after this short break. Do you need to diversify your investment portfolio? Real estate can be a very solid investment, and Seattle is one of the strongest real estate markets in the country. The secret to making wise decisions is having a proven real estate investment expert by your side. Holly Furin of Remax Junction is no ordinary real estate broker. She has more than two decades of real estate experience with sales and property management. She can help you navigate the booming Seattle real estate market to find golden properties, houses or condos that are best suited to lease as a yearly residence or vacation rental. Whether you want a short-term investment or one that generates income for years, Holly Furin can help you find the best property and negotiate the purchase. Then she'll market your home to prospective renters and screen tenant applications. By standing between you and the tenant, emotion is removed from the equation. You're not looking for a new best friend, you're looking for someone who will pay the rent on time, maintain the property, and be a respectful neighbor. During her 20 years as a property manager, Holly Furin has never evicted one of her pre-screened renters. Her tenants' rent checks have never gone more than 30 days past due. A good real estate investment provides monthly cash income while steadily building equity that you can cash in when you sell or use as a home equity line of credit. During your free consultation with Remax Junction, Holly will discuss your immediate needs and long-term goals. She'll deliver a comprehensive real estate investment plan custom-tailored to work for you. I'm Holly Furin with Remax Junction. If you're interested in investing in Seattle area real estate, call me today at 206-766-8400 at extension 130. That's 206-766-8400 at extension 130. Sign up for my newsletter at www.hollyfurin.com. That's www.hollyfuren.com. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. Sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Well, welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM, KKNW, the Saturday, April night show. I provide the news on everything money, fresh information on the market trends and conditions in our local economy. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a broadcast, a rebroadcast of the show, but you can always call the show at 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. Again, that's one 1- 855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. You can ask any questions to my guests. You can talk with me, your host, give me suggestions of what you'd like to hear on future shows. Um, I'm here to assist with your financing. And right now in studio, I'm going to have a conversation with Holly Fern with Remax Junction. Holly, thanks for coming back in studio. Thank you for having me again. And today's uh, market, there's a lot of sellers that have false sense of process of getting top dollar for their home. And regardless of the seller or buyer's market strategy, is that regardless of if we're in a seller's market or a buyer's market, the strategy is really critical to get that top dollar. 
So that is the conversation I'm going to be having with Holly today. And a little background uh, about Holly, a third-generation real estate broker and property manager in Seattle. She has over 20 years of personal experience as property manager. She helps her clients acquire investment properties as well as find tenants for them to manage their rental properties. She uh, appreciates the relationship she develops with her clients. Holly is heavily involved in community service as well as being a Girl Scout troop leader. Did I ever tell you my mom was a Girl Scout troop leader? I think you did. I think I did. <laughs> so, Holly, why don't we start out where, again, we're talking and sharing with my listeners about uh, sellers and how to prepare to sell, obviously, for getting uh, top dollar. So what can sellers do to prepare for selling their homes? Sure. The first thing that people I often come across have a little bit of a challenge with letting go. And that's the first step is that uh, you really need to um, find a way to emotionally disconnect and start saying goodbye to the home. So finding things that you won't miss about the house, like that sloping kitchen that's going to be really expensive to fix or the creaks in the living room that, again, would not be something that you would normally take care of while you're living there. So any annoyance that you've had, if you focus on it enough, you'll find it's far easier to say goodbye. So let yourself grieve the loss. Makes sense. So what are steps of getting a home ready to sell, Holly? Sure. After saying goodbye, you need to start cleaning. So putting all the clutter away and keeping everything clean, possibly having professionals come in and help you if you're short on time or if you have an abundance of clutter, getting your yard trimmed up. Again, if you're short on time and you have a sizable yard, it's good to get people to help you get ready. The more polished you make your home, the more you'll be able to maximize potential market value. And the next step is to have either your furnishing stay, at least some of them, or arrange to have it staged. Once it's staged, a photographer should be hired by your agent to take professional photos of your home. Depending on the size of your home, your agent should be publishing between 10 and 25 quality photos to capture an audience. The more photos uh, that they have, the better it is, of course. And I, you know, I think a lot of uh, sellers make again. I've talked in the beginning of the show about just a, a false uh, idea of what you need to do because the market is so. Uh, seller benefit, there's lack of inventory, lots of buyers. So you may feel not the same sense of urgency, which is important because you want to get top dollar and to do that, you need to do all these things. So saying goodbye, emotionally not being too connected to the process, getting it cleaned up. What about an investment? What is a typical investment that a seller should be prepared to do to get their home ready to sell? In this market, whether you're buying or selling, I always say to have at least a $10,000 buffer set aside for costs. As a buyer would pay for earnest money and inspections, a seller should pay for things like repairs and things that need to be updated, like maybe some paint and always the staging. Staging is very important. Those are going to be the biggest costs to getting a home ready to sell. If you can get a pre-inspection, it makes the process go so much faster when you're already when you already know that what needs to be fixed, instead of waiting for uh, to get fixed once it's brought up in an inspection, a buyer would purchase because they they can use the flaws as a negotiation tool and you'll end up repairing the problem anyways. So if you don't have enough, then you just need to prioritize. Otherwise, you might find that you need to have uh, to consider things like getting less than asking price or be forced to short sale, which mm-hmm. nobody wants to do that. So you also need to have the time to invest, such as time that you'll have to live in the house, but 
uh, make the mortgage payments or when you're not living in the house, rather, and paying for those utilities that accumulate over the time. But, of course, in this market, it's it's unusual to go past a week or two on the market. Yeah. So just really, um, really preparing and being willing to invest to get that to get that top dollar. Understand what your home has, and so we've talked about staging. You've mentioned that a couple times. Uh, you know whether you're leaving the really nice things behind or you're bringing in a professional stager to make that house look the best that it can. So how important is that really during this process in this type of market? Honestly, it can be the difference of tens of thousands of dollars. For example. Uh, an owner who delayed staging his home and avoided simple maintenance could have even changed out a few light fixtures to improve the value, but he kept putting it off until the day the photographer was scheduled to arrive and, had, and nothing had been done. So we shot the photos of empty rooms and tried to make them look as good as possible, but the house could have sold in days, actually stayed on the market for several weeks. And finally, when I got a few offers, they were both 20000 under asking price which was already below the market price that we listed at. So had he put the staging and the repairs as a priority, he would have been able to maximize his investment and easily make back the invested on the staging and repairs in addition to probably more than asking price. Yeah, so it's it, it's important to, to have it show, have that emotional connection there, and that's where the staging comes in um, and really get that connection to the home. So what about the process for selling, Holly? Sure. The The first thing you start with is creating a seller disclosure. I think a lot of people struggle with that. They sometimes don't know what to say, but it's really important when it comes across to the buyer. And that is a form that the seller will fill out and indicate everything that they know about the home. When they, when, <clears throat> excuse me, when we move on to preparation of getting the house ready, once the home is staged and the agent should schedule a day for the photographs, a few days after your agent will launch the marketing and make the listing live. Open houses should be scheduled and you can expect agents to bring buyers to your home throughout. And if you're still living there, the agent will mention that they will either contact you directly to make appointments to view. And if you're not there, a key box will be attached to the property and this will allow agents to view your home. A key box should be on your home if you are still living there, as well as agents should use it to register their visits. Mm -hmm. Your listing agent might anticipate multiple offers and might add a due date for offers on the listing. That way you'll have a specific time when you can look at all the offers and discuss with your agent which one is best to maximize your investment and close the fastest. Makes sense. So how do you uh, advise your sellers, Holly, when there, uh, when there is an open house that uh, you're going to be scheduling and they ask if they should be there to answer questions for uh, the buyer, potential buyers that are coming in? Yeah, I always say don't be there. Yes. It's sellers should try to avoid being in the home. Not only does it make the buyers nervous, it mm-hmm. can reduce your chances to sell if the buyers start asking questions and the sellers answer and, square, and scare them away. <laughs> which has happened. <laughs> yeah, It's best to plan on being away from the home during the times that you'll allow agents to show and the open houses as well. Got it. So in this multiple offer environment, you've got uh, 10 offers on one home with your seller. How are you helping them to decide which offer to accept? Sure. If it's one offer and it's low, we might discuss declining that offer if it's worth waiting it really depends on what the, the seller's motivation is. In the Seattle market, a low offer can happen on homes that have been on the market for a long time, but usually a house is not on the market. 
that long and can draw several offers and sometimes cash. It's difficult to beat a cash offer if you look at the big picture. Things can fall apart with contingencies. The least amount of contingencies or other risks, the better the offer is. Mm -hmm. Top dollar doesn't always win. If there is a top dollar offer with contingency of a home that needs to sell in some remote place where the market is slow, and that that might not be as good as the cash offer that'll close in 30 days, which is... Light, slightly less in price. So it, it's a big picture scenario. Yeah, and it's, it's so important for the sellers to have that understanding of, of really where the benefit's going to be and the biggest chance that that, uh, that closing is going to make it all the way through the process to the end. So other ways to maximize uh, a seller's return, Holly? The more people invest in, the more they will maximize. So if they invest too much, they could be causing themselves to lose. I know of a woman who decided she wanted to take the time to pick out new carpeting. Um, And most people don't even like carpet. So she spent an entire summer remodeling. And that was in the summer of 2007 Mm -hmm. when the market started to take a dive. She ended up losing about $200,000 in value just because she missed that opportunity to sell (laughs) in the summer. As it was up to $800,000. She only got 600000 Then there's a story of a guy. This is common. So we'll call him Everyday Joe. So Everyday Joe has sparkles in his eyes. He looks at the skewed disestimates on Zillow and hears that a house that's listed for 600000 sold for 800000 in his neighborhood. So he goes and gets an agent to list his dilapidated teardown that will never appraise with the lender for no less than 400000 when the place is only worth Three hundred thousand. So, if you maximize or if you minimize your market by pricing your home too high, then you cannot maximize your return. And routine maintenance and keeping fixtures up to date is key to maximizing your potential value. Property will always increase in value. Yeah. So pricing and not pricing correctly can be devastating. Either way, you price too low or pricing too high can be a devastating outcome. So how do you coach your sellers and help them um, come up with that price that they should list at? Yeah, they can start with getting a comparable market analysis from their agent, and they should ask other agents for additional market analysis to compare those. Some agents have drastically different values, and they have reasons behind those values. Agents don't usually charge for that service, so it doesn't hurt to get a second opinion. They can give you a price range and suggestions on how to price your home to maximize your return. You don't need an appraisal. I hear often people think they need one, but that's not necessary. And that a le- you know a lender will will order an appraisal for the buyer. So that's something that comes down the road. A lot of people get the appraisal mixed up with a comparable market analysis or a CMA, and it's virtually the same thing. A CMA is what is created to order or to, in order to, de- to determine value. It, an appraisal is a little bit more involved because they might look at specific things like peeling paint if it's an FHA loan or mm-hmm. something that's going to cause them to not fund that loan. Of course. Um, a couple minutes I need to take us to break, Holly. Uh, what other advice can you give for sellers in preparing to put their house on the market? Yeah, just as buying a house or selling a house, you should have a solid team. Your listing agent usually will suggest a title and escrow company, which is part of your team. Sometimes the listing agent will hold open houses with lenders on hand to help buyers answer questions they have quickly. 
um, or they will distribute invitations to neighbors, inviting them to open houses, and a good listing agent will maximize the viewing opportunities. So having an agent that is available to take special care of your home is crucial. Some agents are spread out very thin, and other times people are quick to use family or friends who are agents just because they know them, but they might not have all the techniques to maximize your return like some well-seasoned agents have. Experience is so important in every area regarding uh, your financing and real estate is no different. Holly, thank you so much for joining me back in studio. Appreciate your uh, wealth of information for uh, all my sellers out there. Coming up next to the Money Hour, real estate's a hot topic and there's a lot of advice on how to navigate through the environment, but the wrong advice can be the biggest financial mistake that you make. That's why I've got Greg Pearl here with Colder Banker Bain, right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Listening, sometimes it's the hardest thing in the world to do. In today's real estate market, you might feel that you're being pushed in four directions all at once, that nobody wants to take the time to stop and listen to you and your needs. But if your real estate agent doesn't listen to you, can you be sure that you've obtained the best deal possible? If your real estate agent doesn't take the time to get to know you, can you have confidence that your best interests are being looked after? Greg Prill of Coldwell Banker Bain listens. He wants to know about the needs you have today, but also about your dreams for tomorrow. By taking the time to get to know you and your needs, Greg Prill will ensure that you've obtained the best deal possible and that the things that are important to you are being taken care of to your full satisfaction. It all begins with a simple conversation. So why not call Greg Prill today? He really is interested in what you have to say. Hi, this is Greg Prill. You can reach me at 206-734-4397. Once again, that's 206-734-4397. And hey, have a nice day. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. Sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 9th show, bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events in our local economy and how it can affect your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast to talk with the guests that I have in studio. Anything you want to share with me, please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, it's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. Right now in studio, I have Greg Prill with Cold War Banker Bain. Today's real estate market and advice for our buyers and sellers. Greg, Thank you for coming back and visiting me in studio. Well, thank you for having me back. And a little background about Greg is graduated University of California and Chicago Kent College of Law in Chicago, Illinois. Greg is a licensed Washington State real estate broker and also a licensed attorney in Illinois and Washington states with 15 years of experience in negotiating complex contracts and problem solving. Greg is a broker with Coldwell Raker Bain. He uh, also is a member of the National Association of Roll Tours and Seattle King County Association of Roll tours. Greg combines his two areas of professional expertise to provide his clients with the best advocacy possible in today's complicated real estate market. Greg is a full service real estate broker and an attorney. With more than a dozen years of experience, Greg is an, an expert negotiator with an impeccable attention to detail and leverages his two areas of professional expertise to ensure that you find the right home at the right time for the right price. And I will say, Greg, you are definitely a g- detailed person with 
which is an extreme uh, benefit in real estate, and especially when you're dealing with the contracts, and then you add in your uh, legal expertise uh, there, uh, very beneficial. So... Greg, real estate, kind of our conversation, just overall things that are going on. And I'd like to, to uh, talk about or, or ask what's going on with new construction. Absolutely, Tina. Uh, new construction is kind of complicated in Washington state because of something called the Growth Management Act. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Growth Management Act was passed in the early 1990s and in essence has created an artificial limit on the amount of buildable land in Washington state. Uh, that artificial scarcity means that uh, developers have to find uh, areas that have already been developed and then redevelop them in a process called infill development. And now that that process of infill development usually starts with the, the uh, builder trying to to locate a particular parcel that mm-hmm. you know makes sense from an economic perspective, but also fits into the larger plan that the cities in our area. Uh, have established pursuant to the Growth Management Act. Now, one of the areas that I've been working recently is, is Ballard mm-hmm. down in, uh, in, in Seattle. And one of the interesting things about Ballard is the fact that even though there's been a lot of infill development over the past, I don't know, maybe dozen or so years, um, there's still a whole lot of properties out there that are probably going to be converted from single-family residents into four-square townhomes or mm-hmm. what's a little bit more typical nowadays, uh, three single-family residences that are put kind of at an angle or with the doors facing maybe the property on the right or the left as opposed to the oh, front doors really? facing the streets. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, when you're trying to, to figure out what the overall value of your of your property is, mm-hmm. it's real helpful to have somebody who has a little bit of experience in, in navigating what the uh, uh, zoning regulations are and things along those lines. Um, what I've also found kind of interesting with respect to new construction is that notwithstanding some of the stories that you've heard about prices kind of exploding out of control, especially in, in Ballard, um, I did a little bit of research before I came over here today. I know. I love the chart you brought. I wish we had a visual here for my listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I... I, I I hear a lot of stories and, and a lot of scuttlebutt from other brokers as well as just civilians out there. And I always like to go down and and, and dig into the actual numbers and, and figure out whether or not the scuttlebutt is true. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I found is that since January of uh, 2015, um, prices for new construction housing in Ballard proper have pretty much stayed constant. Um, now, there's a difference between what it's listed for and, and what the final sales sure. price is. And uh, lots of folks have this idea that, well, golly, if a new construction townhome or single-family residence is listed for $800,000, it, it's, it's going to sell for $800,000. And the practical reality is that that's just not true. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to go into the Wayback Machine and, and take a look at where prices were in January of, of 2015, on average, you know, you know, they're obviously uh, above and below average. But on average, houses were uh, being listed for about six hundred ninety thousand dollars over in Ballard, mm-hmm. and that's about what they were selling for. Hmm. If you were to take a look as of February of this year, uh, the list price uh, for a house is about six hundred seventy-two thousand dollars, and the sales price is about that price as well. 
So interesting. There, yeah, there there really hasn't been the level of appreciation as you would expect. Huh. That's that's interesting. Uh, interesting uh, stats, Greg. What about for your investors? You know, so when you're coaching and working with your investors, what are you telling them about getting into the market? Well, what the advice? F- yeah. Well, the first thing that I I try and counsel them on is have a game plan. And mm-hmm. a lot of what I focus in on is trying to figure out why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, maybe that's because of my background where I had to figure out why people were suing each other. But <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back into play here. <laughs> but, but fundamentally, if you don't understand why you're doing something, you're setting yourself up for a whole lot of failure. Mm-hmm. And that's not why you should be investing. And so typically when I meet with an investor for the first time, we, we do it over dinner or we do it over lunch, and we just chat about where they are in their life. I want to know where this money is coming from. And, you know, if this is money that they've socked away, um, there is risk that's involved in investing in real estate. Mm-hmm. And if this is your only source of retirement income, well, let's not talk about new construction. Let's talk about maybe getting you some rental income that's going to give you a stream of revenue. Uh, on the other hand... If you do have a, a, a certain amount of money that's been set aside for in, you know, purely investment uh, uh, purposes, mm-hmm. let's figure out what it takes for you to maybe get into the redevelopment business. And then we can have that longer conversation um, that helps them maximize their ultimate goals and at the same time allows them to sort of get involved in something that's kind of exciting. Yeah, Building great. something is really, really exciting. Mm-hmm. And if you can get on top of it, it's just a really great way for you to, communi- uh, to uh, contribute to your community and mm-hmm. at the same time do right by yourself. Yeah, great advice, uh, Greg. So rents, uh, let's move over to the cost of rents because rents and what rents are doing have a huge impact on what's going to happen with our real estate market. So what are they doing right now, Greg, and what do you anticipate that they're going to be doing in the future? (laughs) Well, so I want to focus in on on Seattle because Seattle has uh, recently passed a number of regulations that is making rentals uh, rather challenging for just mom and pop mm-hmm. uh, landowners. Now, if you're a larger company where you're a a, a corporate leasing uh, uh, a company with lots of properties, these regulations aren't going to be particularly challenging to you. But if you're a mom and pop investor out there, uh, City of Seattle has decided that they now have a right to uh, knock on the door uh, at least once a year and determine whether or not uh, the, I think it's a list of 20 or 30 things, I don't remember off the top of my head, but there's a checklist, and if you do not have uh, all your I's dotted and all your T's crossed, you're going to find yourself fined. So from the perspective of, of, of rental income, it's great to have somebody who's a very talented and competent and knowledgeable uh, leasing agent. I know that mm-hmm. we uh, had a conversation with somebody uh, who uh, specializes in that a little bit earlier. Um, but with respect to a rents, uh, given the fact that we have so many cranes that are going up in Seattle right now, most of those cranes are are building rental properties right now. Yeah. And so I would suspect that given, you know, market forces that we're going to see uh, uh, rents for these new construction buildings probably to start stabilizing over the next 12 to 18 months. I would not anticipate that rental prices are going to come down. Okay. Um, yeah. that, that just 
doesn't seem likely to mm-hmm. me, given the fact that we've got Amazon, we've got Google, yep. we've got Facebook coming in. And the lack of inventory, there's just, there's so many people that are forced to still Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so even if you are coming from, say, Missouri, uh-huh. um, <laughs> and even if you do have a great signing bonus with a Facebook, guess what? You're probably not going to be able to find a house within a short period of time that you have that corporate housing. Mm-hmm. So you are going to have to rent something. So from the perspective of somebody who's who's new to our area and who doesn't have a whole lot of experience with the different neighborhoods, I guess that could be a blessing because you can spend 12 months sort of figuring out what neighborhoods really fit with your individual use case. Yeah, makes sense. So pre-inspections, Greg, what is when you're working with your sellers, I know you work with sellers and buyers, um, so depending on what side of the the fence that you're on there, but when you're working with sellers, do you uh, advise on pre-inspections and with pre-inspections, are you seeing that buyers are still getting their own inspections as well? Yeah, that's that's a real tough question. Uh, Washington mm-hmm. State is a caveat emptor state, which means basically if you have the ability to find something um, and you don't, then it's on your shoulders. Uh-huh. So, for instance, uh, let's say that there's a house and there's a leak in the toilet. And if a reasonable individual who has a little bit of uh, inspector experience would have found that leak, um, buyer cannot go after seller after closing for any damage that's a consequence of that leak. Mm -hmm. So from the perspective of buyers, uh, it's our company policy, Coldwell Banker Bain, to always have an an inspection, or at least to tell our clients that they should have an inspection. Mm Uh, With respect to a seller's, um, I know that our prior guest uh, makes a point of at least encouraging uh, her sellers to um, have a a pre-inspection of of their house. I think that that can be useful, Mm -hmm. and ultimately it's a decision for the seller to make. I explained the pros and the cons. Mm -hmm. I certainly think that it allows the seller to understand uh, if there are problems with the house, things that need to be addressed before it's listed. Yeah. There's really nothing worse, I think, than thinking that you have a bona fide agreement with somebody that they're going to buy your house for a certain amount of money, only to have an inspector come in and say, golly, did you know about X, Y, and Z? Yeah. And chances are that you probably didn't. Yes. Uh, and, and, and so while I would not expect uh, an inspection report to lead to a failed sale, it's certainly going to mean that you're going to have to do something at the tail end of a 45-day closing period that's going to be putting a whole lot of stress on your shoulders that you really don't want to experience because you sure. want to get out of your house and move on with the rest of yep, your life. Yeah, well, it's interesting because they just, as you know, uh, Realtors just had a uh, a few of our popular attorneys come in and do a battle over yeah. things that are going on in the real estate and they, they talk just about that and you know if there are pre-inspections making sure that your buyers are getting their own inspection but Absolutely. it was interesting to hear uh, the attorneys uh, talk about that so contingencies uh, Greg what do you see uh, buyers are waiving in those contingencies and how do you feel about that so I guess there's two classes of buyers out there those that are represented by Greg Prill and those that aren't uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I I believe that it is important for a buyer to do their due diligence. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be the largest investment that you're going to be making in your life, unless you're Bill Gates, in which case you've got an entire financial cadre behind you. Another, another person, <laughs> yes. But most of my clients aren't Bill Gates. So I I, I try and, and, and focus them on the idea that notwithstanding the fact that we do have limited inventory today, if you miss out on this house, 
um, there will be another one. Mm -hmm. And that other house is going to be just as good of a home as the one that you missed out on. And I think that everyone has probably been on the internet recently and has seen those obnoxious ads on the right-hand side of the screen that says, with this one weird trick, you can lose your belly fat. Well, um, that one weird trick doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. You're, you're going to have to have some discipline to get rid of that belly fat. Similarly, there isn't one weird trick. You aren't going to be able to, uh, you know, write, a, write away some of your rights that you have on some of these contingencies for an inspection, for an appraisal, for mm -hmm. title contingency, et cetera, et cetera. Simply eliminating some of these things probably isn't going to put you over the top, at least in, in, in my experience, it's not going to. And even if it does, do you really want to find something a year after you've purchased a house that your inspector could have found that mm -hmm. could have been remediated? Sure. The answer is that no, you don't want to find that 12 months out. You want to find it while you still have some leverage with the seller and you can get things taken care of prior to closing. Yeah. Great advice, Greg. And I think it's just, you know, the 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 per, the best thing for a buyer or seller to do is to have all of the information, know what their options are, to get counsel and find out what the best decision is, and then ultimately what they feel that the best decision is and ultimately make their, their own decision, well, having in, that knowledge. Well, information is king. Information is king. And if you don't have it, then you're really not going to be able to do right by yourself. Yep. And, and, you know, I... I it's 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 sometimes difficult to see the expressions on somebody's face when you tell them that, that they've lost out on a bid. Yeah. And and of course they say, well, I read this blog that said that if I had just you know waived my inspection, then I would have gotten the house. Mm -hmm. And and the practical reality is, again, there's a difference between scuttlebutt and actual experience. Mm -hmm. And actual experience shows, as somebody who is a listing agent who does list homes that I do not want to see an offer come through that says that I am waiving my inspection rights. Mm -hmm. As a seller, I want the buyer to go in there and to find things. Because again, Washington state law assumes that if you have the ability to, to uh, find something, then you should find it. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to be able to come back to the seller at a later date and say that you hid something. Got it. Um, you know, it just makes sense for both buyers and sellers. And I say, hey, um, as long as you don't have three dozen pre-inspections going on uh, prior to an offer acceptance date, um, I think everybody's going to uh, uh, find themselves much happier as long as that after you do get to mutual acceptance on a purchase and sale agreement, um, that the buyer does have the opportunity to have that inspection. Yeah. Greg, thank you so much for uh, coming back in studio and sharing your advice with my uh, buyers and sellers. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. Coming up next on the Money Hour, are you a senior in transition or anyone else in transition needing some help? Or are you helping someone else? Who is working with the estate planner, addresses legal issues, getting everything sorted, packed up and moved? Well, I have Jennifer Black with Caring Transitions Seattle right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. There's one thing you can never have sex without. It's not something you buy. Or something you take. In fact, there's only one way to get it. It has to be given to you, freely. It's consent. Because sex without it isn't sex. It's rape. Consent. If you don't get it, you don't get it. It's on us to stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. 
Sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 9th show. It's a great day to talk money. It's always a great day to talk money. That's why I'm here and what the show is all about, how to make money save money, build a better quality of life for you and for your family. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can call the show at one 855 411 Again, that's one 855 411 or online at com to discuss anything regarding money with myself or ask any questions to the guests that I have in studio here today. Right now, I'm going to have a conversation with Jennifer Black with Caring Transitions Seattle, helping seniors transition with relocation, downsiding, and estate planning. Not just seniors, but I know you work 90, 90-95% of your clientele is uh, with seniors. So Jennifer, thank you for coming in. I know I've had your husband in a few times at first time I've had a chance to uh, chat with you. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. And a little bit about Jennifer. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about both of them. They are both uh, passionate about caring for seniors and caring transition. Seattle is a direct result of that passion. As partners, Jennifer and Ian opening caring transition in Seattle as a result of their own families going through an emotional stress and helping their own parents transition from large homes where they have lived for decades to much smaller residents. Uh, Jennifer has seven years experience as a licensed real estate agent in the Seattle area, and Ian is a certified aging place specialist, aging in place specialist. Together, it's their goal to assist families in downsizing, liquidating decades worth of assets, preparing a family residence for sale, and creating a smooth transition into a new living space. So Jennifer, what is, what's new going on with senior, senior, um, with uh, caring transitions in 2016? Well, it's been actually a very exciting year. Um, We opened up the Seattle office in 2012 and then just growth uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, It's amazing how many families out there need assistance. And so it's been exciting to see um, us expand into uh, Bellevue in the east side. We have a designated office in that area as well as the south side area. So now families can have assistance uh, down into the Olympia area as well. And we go uh, north up into Shoreline and uh, Lake Forest Park. So it's really just reaching out, kind of expanding that area where we can help families with with their downsizing. Um, A couple other things that's really exciting to mention, um, we actually are going to be uh, introducing this year um, a a revamped uh, CT online auctions website. So part of our business, um, you may know from past from past shows is that we do offer an online format. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're hoping to expand that and make it just a really, um, just a cleaner, nicer user experience. And so that's a, that's a big thing for us that we're really, uh, really pleased about. And we also have a new studio space. Um, we've just found that, uh, People uh, have a need to not only just do estate sales, but also mm-hmm. be able to do things off-site, uh, do online sales off-site, estate sales off-site. So we just opened up a new studio space down in the Soto area, which is really exciting. exciting. So, yeah, things are all so coming lots together. Of, lots of new things going a on. A lot of new things coming, that coming is, together. That is yeah. awesome. So w- with the growing service area, what are some of the challenges that you face in assisting families in the outlying areas? You know, th- this is one of the things I think is so exciting. It's such a huge opportunity. You know, it's 
it's easy to go to a you know home on Mercer Island and put out signs and have an estate sale. You know uh-huh. you're going to get the yes. traffic. You know you're going to get people that are going to want to come to that area. Well, one of the things that we've experienced is there's a lot of people that live in outlying areas that have beautiful homes yeah. and beautiful things in their homes and just don't have the ability to find um, an alternative way to either sell those or most importantly, people just want to know that their things are going to be cherished and used mm-hmm. and appreciated by other people. And so what we're able to do now having that new uh, studio space and also the new uh, with the CT online auctions, we can offer an alternative to a, a traditional estate sale when maybe the location doesn't support that, uh, where you're not oh. going to be able to get the foot traffic. Yeah. Or maybe, um, as we talked earlier, you know, kind of keying in on the uh, marketing timeframes, mm-hmm. maybe it's best for people to move their things offsite and sell them so they can get the house on the market as soon as possible. So um, it really just having people in those areas and some alternatives, it really just gives uh, families an opportunity really uh, just... Uh, have other choices. Yes, and, other and choices for strategizing to see what the best choice is um, for your situation. So what criteria, uh, Jennifer, do you use to determine if a client should have a traditional estate sale or do an online estate sale? You, you know, it's really interesting. A lot of it depends upon the family. Okay. Um, you know, there's a, we always look at, um, I always call it volume. So, you know, the volume of things in the house and the type of things in the house. You know, mm-hmm. there's certain um, items that just make a whole lot more sense for an online sale. Uh, collections, for example. Um, there's a lot of collectors out there. And, you know, one thing that we do is we can reach a broader audience. We can uh-huh. go national. And so when someone has a unique collection, maybe that makes, you know, the most sense uh, for doing an online sale. Again, a difficult location. If you can't get parking, no one's going to come to your sale. Yeah. Um, and there's also people that are just like, I'm private. I don't want my neighbors walking into my home. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in that instance, um, maybe this is allowing them to, you know, kind of get their home empty and sell those things, but, you know, retain some privacy, which I think is, is very important. Yeah. So, Jennifer, we've talked about how your company uh, works and assists with liquidating, but mm-hmm. also you need to do more than that also um, right. with downsizing services. So can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things I think is important and what I always like to talk about is, you know, being one point of contact for families. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start to think about the team, we were talking earlier about having kind of your solid team to support you. You know, there's a lot of people that you have to get into the mix. Mm-hmm. And so if we can be one point of contact that helps you with your space planning, that helps you with your packing, moving, um, unpacking, your, your liquidation, and even what we call final clean out. So anything that can't be um, you know, liquidated or can't be donated okay. uh, needs to be disposed of. We can be the person that makes that happen. And we get you to the point where we can just kind of pass you off to your real estate agent and they can do their staging and uh-huh. you know bring all their crew in to, to make it so quickly. So. so do you partner with a lot of uh, realtors, uh, Jennifer, to be a part of their team? We do, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our referrals come from real estate agents. Uh-huh. And, and I love that because I, I was in real estate prior to, to moving to uh, Caring Transitions. And so I, I feel like I get to keep my fingers in the yeah. real estate market a little bit. That's awesome. But yeah, you know, we really make a, a great partner. Um, typically, what you'll find happens uh, 
there's a something will happen within a family uh-huh. and um, I think people's their first reaction is we need to find a safe place for mom or dad um, and so once that's done their next reaction is okay I need to call a real estate agent we need to sell the house yep. and so that's usually when we get brought into the mix because they're like we don't know what to they're do they're not thinking what do we do calling? with all this yes. stuff yep. you know and Makes so sense. one of my things is you know and hopefully this show will help us do that you know if families don't always have the ability to plan ahead. Yes. But I always say, if you have that luxury, planning ahead is the most important thing you can do. Because when you try and do it on the fly, the yeah. stress level for the parents and for the individuals, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's crazy. So um, planning ahead, uh, whether that's a year in advance, two years in advance mm-hmm. sometimes, or even three months, I think is really a great benefit to the family. And when you start to talk about letting go of the things and letting go of the house, if you plan ahead and you know what your new space is going to look like, what you can bring with you, it just makes that whole transition simpler. And it really sets a path for you yeah. in your new home, how you're going to feel about living there. You yeah. know, how, how do you feel if you've had a harried, crazy experience versus, hey, this was really relaxing. I came home. All my things were unpacked. Mm-hmm. I sat down had dinner with my family. Yes. Yeah. So being able to emotionally disconnect, it takes time for that preparation. It so does. that's awesome advice. So uh, Jennifer, space planning, can you tell my listeners a little bit more about what that means? Yeah. So I personally think it's the most important step. And I don't think everyone um, does that, unfortunately. And so mm-hmm. maybe it's just an education process. They need to understand that it's, it's something out there. Um, it really entails, what we do is we've to put together basically a detailed floor plan. We'll go into a uh, the uh, homeowner's new apartment, condo, house, whatever, measure the space, look at all of the logistics. You know, where's mm-hmm. the cable? Where's the phone? What will fit here? And then we'll come into their homes and say, all right, what do you want to take with you? You know, what is it that you truly cherish and you'd want to have in your new home? And we'll walk through and we'll measure those pieces and we'll be like, yes, it'll fit. Yep. No, it won't. If it doesn't mm-hmm. fit, then what's an alternative? How can mm-hmm. we make it work for you? And it's really just trying to create that plan. And what's exciting, so people always think, oh, a space plan, it's going to be crazy. You know, I, I can't afford to do it. And it's like, you can't afford not to do it. Yes. Um, because at the back end, it's going to save you so much on time and again people will move things over and it won't fit yes. you know and so then you're paying someone to move it back yes. what do we do now so really planning and space planning is a huge part of the process and we all know that time is money time and is if money. you're wasting all of that time instead of doing it right the first time yeah so that you can you know maximize that so uh, we talked about preparing best time what would be that best time to prepare to downsize well like I said if you have the luxury of time uh-huh. um, you know being able to plan as far out as possible is great uh, again we do free consults so I tell people hey. you can have me come out a year in advance and uh-huh. there's no obligation it's just let's start a conversation makes sense you you know, uh, um, most people um, will come and have maybe a month or two window, uh, and that's fine. We can mm-hmm. usually, you know, help some within that period as well. A typical project for us from start to finish, um, we can get a house empty in two weeks if we need to. Okay. But we really like to plan it out a little further in advance. We want to make sure we do it the right way for the sure. client and that they feel good about it at the end of the day. And 
um, you know, the best we can, you know, as far as, as timing. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned clean out services. A um, little more detail for my listeners on what that is. It, so usually what will happen is people will move. They'll try and do an estate sale um, or an online sale. And we do that in order to be able to try and just um, offset some of the costs of downsizing. So if you can sell things, that's great. Oftentimes, um, once a sale has finished or some people don't have items that are really suitable for liquidation, that's when we come in and we um, first thing we try and do is we try and donate as many items as possible. Uh, if uh, something is not suitable for donation, then of course, you know, recycling it or repurposing it in another way is um, our next priority. And some things just simply have to go to yes. the dump. And yes. so, um, but package that all together. And it's really just about getting the home um, empty. So again, realtors can come in and, and put their little mark on, on the house with staging and other things. Got it. Yeah. Jennifer, I've got a minute to wrap up the show, but I need to ask this. You guys have had so much success in your company. And that means that you are doing something that sets you apart from other companies, your competitors. What is that? You know, I really think truly it's being that one point of contra- uh, uh, contact for families and just offering them alternatives. You know, it's not a cookie cutter way that we do this. You mm-hmm. know, if it doesn't work uh, to do a traditional sale, let's do an online sale. If I'm not the right fit for you, let me find someone that is. So yeah. um, it's bringing together a good team and uh, helping the family make the right choice, whether it's me or someone else, it's a better fit. Wonderful. Jennifer, yeah. I'm glad that Ian let you out of the office to come visit me in studio this <laughs> it's time. Been fun to be here. Thank yeah, you. we'll have to have you both back at the same time. Sounds good. Thanks for coming in. This is your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, signing off for the day. Uh, I'll be here same time, same place next week and right here at 1150 AM KKNW. Have a great weekend, everyone. The preceding program is paid for by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 1071, AZBK 0910184. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Absolute Mortgage. Visit absoluteloans.com or call 888-90-HOMES for cost information.